we've ever done. It's going to last 12 weeks, and really it's focusing you guys towards an understanding uh, of what I'm calling biblical literacy. Um, they said that what's old is new again, so the Detroit Tiger font and, uh, and the praying hands. How many guys grew up with clip art just like that? I think it's pretty cool. So I uh, want to do that. Also, those that are listening by radio, just want to greet you as well. Just want to let everybody know that, you know, once you're Freedom Center, you're Freedom Center. You know, we're a family, and I'm glad that you guys are here, and we're going to enjoy this. Also, to let you know coming up that uh, next week we've got Pastor Adam Cook coming from Idaho, and he's going to be our Father's Day speaker. We're actually trading pulpits on Father's Day. I'll be speaking in Napa, and he'll be speaking here, and we're going to wave to each other in the air. After that, we've got Dr. J.P. Dorsey, who's the head of North Point Bible College. He'll be talking to us, um, kind of going from the heart of, of things into the head of things. Who translated the Bible? Who said it was the Bible? What was left out of the Bible? Why? Archaeology, um, history, church history, all that stuff. So you're going to want to be a part of that one. I think it's going to be one of those days we're going to give him as much time as we can. We're going to record everything the man says. He's brilliant, but he's cool. By the way, he's younger than I am. He's better looking than I am. Uh, he, he, but he's, he's 10 times smarter. But here's the thing. He used to kind of be me in the sense that he was a, he was a druggie and a partier. God totally got a hold of his life. Now he's the president of a Bible college at like 42. So he's brilliant. You're going to love him. And then Pastor Jordan Hodges, the Jolly Green Giant. He's about seven foot tall. He loves Jesus. His feet are size. You've got to be kidding me. And uh, the dude can swim like a torpedo because of the flippers that he wears every day. One of the greatest preachers of his generation, again, younger than I am, but awesome, awesome preacher. He's going to be talking to us about the power behind the Word of God and uh, how important that is to trust the Lord. He got saved uh, as a, a felon in prison, and a guy was visiting him. That, that person now is his pastor he serves on staff with. Brilliant story. And today we're going to be talking about just why this is so important for us. Why today? Why here? Why us? Why now? Let's talk about that for a second. This is important because we serve a God who moves. Everybody say amen. amen. Come on, after three weeks, you got to know that, right? We serve a God that it's good. So we're going to be moving, I believe, led by the Holy Spirit to go from a centralized ministry model to a decentralized ministry model. Now, if you're like me, you just said, huh? So what that means is this, that in a centralized ministry model, um, the pastors, the teachers, the elders, the prophets, the, they all get a chance to say and do all the cool and scary stuff. In a decentralized, it's more of a sending model, everybody gets to do the cool, scary stuff. <laughs> Woo, didn't really mean it. Okay, yeah. So what we're doing is we're preparing you for war. You're going to go from being cooks to combatants. You're going to go from being those who say, hey, you should go do something about that, or hey, come and someone will talk to you about this, to being the one that actually goes to do these things. And one of the things I love about what's already happening is the creativity that is in this church about reaching people for the 4th of July. I, we've been doing this thing for like 24 years, our 24th 4th of July, and it's like, let's do more hot dogs, let's do more pony rides, let's get bigger ponies, let's get bigger, let's have more inflatables. And we kind of, it's like we ran out of ideas, but you know, there, there hasn't been that many new things to do with thousands of people. But you guys are going crazy. One of the, my favorite ideas is a guy is borrowing a friend's pontoon boat and getting like 50 pizzas and going out to Silver Lake saying, here's a pizza. Enjoy your day. God bless you. Another person said, we're going to block off the whole um, neighborhood. Uh, it's in Argentine, so there's no police out there. You don't have to worry about getting arrested for it. You just, 
just park a nice big rusty pickup truck and everybody will know what that means. And, and we're going to, we're going to have like a block party. We're inviting all of our neighbors. Pastor Carl's going to bring his barbecue. It's going to be awesome. Another person said, this is Pastor Carl's dad, said, we're going we're gonna to get permission to use the clubhouse at the apartment complex that we're at. And we're going to invite all of our friends because the fireworks go off at the end of the street. So from this time to this time, we're going to gather together. I'm going to talk to them about, you know, praying for our nation. And we're going to thank God for America. And we're going to go from there. Other people are saying, I'm going to invite one couple. Everybody say, one couple. I'm just going to sit next to them at the parade. Let's go to the parade together. But I'm going to be looking for opportunities during that time just to see where they're at and how I can get to know them and their needs and know how to pray. I'm going to offer to be kind of a, a faith representative in the short term until they have faith of their own. Follow me as I follow Christ, and after a while, you'll be able to see him too. You know what I'm talking about? So people say, well, what are, what's a win look like? We're talking about a decentralized ministry model. What does a win look like? Hear me. Please understand. I've been saying 100 groups with 30 people. I've been saying that because it totals about 3,000 people, and it's just easy for me. How many guys like round numbers? How many guys, more than that, you need to like take your shoes off and use your toes as an abacus, right? So um, it doesn't have to look like 30 people. It can literally look like you and one other person. It doesn't have to look like me standing up on the 4th of July reading off the names of the fallen veterans over our city and then a moment of silence interrupted by the national anthem for those of you who've been around. It, it can look like anything you want it to look like, like a win. You guys want to hear what a win is? A negative 10 is someone who hates God, hates you, hates the church, and hates himself. And if a negative 10 can become in one day a negative 9.5, that's a win. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the disciples, when Jesus called them, weren't Christians and had serious issues. The sons of thunder were given that nickname not because they were kind, gentle people but because they were like, you know, Thor and his brother Loki. I mean, they were, they were just a mess. And Jesus said, I see something in you. And he spent time with them until they came to faith. It can look like two people. It can look like 10 people. It can look like a, like a negative one, like right on the verge of giving their life to Christ, becoming a positive one. I gave my life to Jesus. It can look like anything that moves the kingdom forward in somebody's life. Are you feeling better about this? Be like, hey, I don't have a place to do an event and no one's inviting me. But don't worry about it. You can take a person to coffee on the 4th of July and just say, is there anything I can pray with you about? That's moving somebody in a direction. You, you don't have to say pray. You don't have to even say God, but you got to love them. And by loving them, maybe sometimes we can love people so well, they actually ask us about our faith. I'm here to tell you guys, God's going to use you in extraordinary ways. But I love the creativity. I love people saying, we're going to have a water balloon fight. How many of you guys know that back in the day, if you wanted to blow up a thousand water balloons, it took 72 hours and bloody fingers. But today you can hook up this new thing to a garden hose. You seen these things? And, and, and who knew, right? And you can blow up like a like hundred of them just by, and you shake them and there they are. It's brilliant. How many of you know God will always find a way to make it easier? Amen, right? We've got the 5K. We've got the, the children's float, getting ready for us with the summer spectacular, not your grandma's VBS. We've got the, uh, the parade. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff coming. What I'm saying is this. Find a way to get someone that much closer to God on the 4th of July, and you will have accomplished your mission. You'd have brought glory to God, and you'll bring someone that much closer to Jesus, if not all the way to faith. Be looking for people, looking for opportunities. Let's not make this harder than it is. Love people. How many guys can love somebody? The same one woohoo and a couple of raised hands. Come on, how many guys know how to love somebody? All right. <laughs> so again, why is it so important for us now? It's because we're moving from a come and see to a go and do. <laughs> we're moving where? We're moving from a come and see. Hey, come to church. Come to my church. Hey, watch my live stream. Hey, welcome to my Facebook. Hey, read my blog. From a come and see to a go and do. There's a very different dynamic when we are saying we're going to do. Um, 
Come and see requires a certain level of revelation. The woman at the well meets Jesus in like Three minutes into this conversation, you know, the fact is that you don't have a husband. You're right when you say that. You've had five husbands and you're shacking up with Bubba right now. And he goes, she goes, well, I can just tell that you're really a prophet. He goes, no, I'm actually the Messiah. She goes, I believe. She goes back into Sychar, into the town that she's from, the Samaritan village. She goes, come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. <laughs> They're like, wow, it wasn't that long of a conversation. We know you. You know what I mean? Like, like wow. Okay, so come and see. Could this be the Messiah? And they came and they saw but, but there's a difference. How many of you guys know come and see is good at the beginning? But eventually Jesus is going to say, go and do. Come and see. Come and be my disciple. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. But at some point, you've got to get in the boat and go fishing. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit's moving us from a centralized thing of come and see to a decentralized go and do. And when we go and do, hear me, we'll be directly colliding and pushing back darkness. We'll be directly contacting, colliding with, and pushing back hell. Jesus says it this way. He says, on the rock of the revelation of who I am, I will build my ecclesia, my church, those who have been called out of darkness into light, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, we are not called to be defensive. We are called to be offensive. How many guys are offensive already? If I asked your neighbors about that, what would they say? I'm just, like some people are just, they're just out there. They're just offensive when it comes to the gospel. Some people just are offensive in other ways, but it's when it comes to the gospel, just being offensive. I'm not looking for someone to accept me. I'm, listen, the best way to predict the future of culture is to create it. The world knows that. Nike knows that. Ford knows that. The church of the living God should be on the forefront of creating culture, not watching it, naming our sermon series after the latest scary movie. That's a weak amen. Keep going. All right. Understand this. In the army, there are cooks and there are combatants, right? A cook's job is to support the combatants. It's a wonderful job, by the way. There's no dishonor. Serving the military, they both had to fire an M16. They both had to go through basic training. They both got screamed at by some stranger with a round brown hat on. But one of them's job is to, is to make sure that those who are you know, being sent have what they need. The other one is to go and kill something. And I want you to hear my voice. Hear me. You don't train for combat the same way as a cook as you do as a combatant. And so here's where you've got to shift your whole mindset. I'm coming to the church because I like the church. I'm coming to the church because I like the music. I'm coming to the church because Pastor Jim wears Beach Boy short sleeve shirts. I'm coming to the church because he's funny. I'm coming to the church because it's convenient. I like the time. My kids love Pastor Les. We have to completely transform that mindset. I'm coming to train for war. I'm coming because I am called to be sent. I am anointed to go. I have a gift that has to be shared. There are demons that have to be cast out. There are things that have to be healed. There are people that are not right with God. There are ignorant who walk in darkness and don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am an ambassador of Christ sent to the world. So I'm training for reigning. I'm not coming in here hoping it doesn't rain. There's a difference. God is not sending us into battle without armament, and we're going to talk about that for the next eight minutes and 20 seconds. And the armament looks something like this. Because therefore, put on the full armor. What kind of armor? Full armor of God, so that when, not if, when the day that is so evil, it's known as the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Now listen, he talks about a day of evil. He talks about pushing back evil. Jesus talks about kicking in gates. I want you to understand that the beach that we reside on is not Miami Beach. It's Omaha Beach. So there's, a, there's an inherent danger of being a line soldier pretending that we're cooks. And I wish I could say that the season of just, 
you know, shaking and baking and staying and enjoying and laying by the pool and virgin pina coladas. And all. I, mean, I, wish, I wish that's the, that's heaven. This ain't. We are engaged in conflict. I'm a child of the king. You are. And the kingdom is at war. Your father is at war. There's darkness, there's light. We are in the process of reclaiming what has been lost through sin. So you inherited this. Um, Paul goes on to build this analogy of offensive and defensive weaponry by using the analogy of the, the average Roman foot soldier, the, the guy that had the, sheer, the shield and the sword and so forth and the helmet. And he begins to go through the, the stuff. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Now, what is truth? Where would we find truth? Don't go to Dr. Smith's philosophy class. That's the pursuit of whatever is out there. But truth, Jesus says it this way in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says to us, he's praying, he says, Father, your word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the... 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is the theonusos. God breathed. It's alive. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's amazing. This is the scripture. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is the number one offensive thing that he talks about, defensive thing, he says, there's, there's this beautiful thing that begins with just girding up our loins, being in a position where we're not going to trip, or we're not going to stumble, or we won't be encumbered. Um, my belt that I had in the military had suspenders on it. I carried first aid. I carried a 45, a, a gas mask, canteen, um, bandoliers of ammunition, uh, rain poncho. I mean, it was, it was something that everything, like all my other stuff kind of hung on that. It was uh, web gear, whatever they called it, load-bearing web gear. So in the same way that the Roman soldiers wasn't just like a belt to hold my pants up, um, it was more than that. It was a place where a lot of other stuff hung. Hear me, you cannot go to war with your pants around your ankles. And you cannot go outside these doors without the truth in your heart. There's, there's a phrase a friend of mine uses, uh, Matt McKinnon. He goes, man, that guy's so dumb, he's just devil bait. We just use him to attract the devil so we can cast him out. Like, that's how dumb this guy is. Hear me. You must know the word of God. The word of God is the truth. This is not fact. This is not statistics. This is not information. This is truth. The doctor may come to you with a fact concerning a test. The lawyer, the banker, uh, the, the spouse may come to you with a fact. Understand this. Every time we face facts, we should be standing on truth. There's something truer than facts. By faith, the truth is always true. So what is truth? Jesus, I'm, I'm the truth. We have to know the word of God. Next thing, talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Again, where, what do we know what's right? How would we know what's right? Psalms chapter 119, verse 160 says, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Righteousness. Who decides what's right? The word of God decides what's right. Hear me. It feels right to me. It's what we normally say just before we do the dumbest thing we've ever done. The worst things I've ever done in my life were right after I said at least four, maybe six times, there's nothing wrong with blah, blah, blah. Well, there's nothing wrong with blah, Well, there's nothing wrong. You can't, there's, there's nothing wrong with blah, 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 and then I did the wrong thing. How many of know what I'm talking about? When we stand on the word of God, we cannot justify the feelings of man. We're standing on something that's more solid and more eternal. Righteousness comes from knowing the word of God. Because this, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Well, what is the gospel of peace? It's found in the... In the Bible, like everything that Paul is telling us about being on a battlefield and not getting killed and being successful in conquest comes back to one key thing, and that's knowing the word of God, being able to operate in it. Um, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Where do we find the good news of Jesus Christ? It's written down for us 
in Scripture. Look, in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Again, what, faith in what? Faith in who? You say, well, faith in God. Well, how do we know who God is? We know who God is by reading the? The B-I-B-L-E, right? Okay. Which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. There was a young evangelist years ago that got all excited. He was reading the King James, and he, he said, you can extinguish all the, all the fiery darts of the enemy. But he got excited, and he said, diary farts. It was hilarious. So it broke everything up. And he said, no, that's not what I meant. And then he said the exact same thing all over again. So how do we know? This is what it looks like. The, the devil takes a dart, takes an arrow, shoots right at you. It's on fire. The only thing, this is a lie. Here it comes. You know, if you are the son of God, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus holds up the shield of faith. Bang. It is written, man shall live, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you guys still here? That's the way it works. Listen, I was just talking to a friend today, and she's going through a tough time. I said, you got you to fill in the narrative with what God is saying, because if I'm not filling in the narrative with what God is saying, I'm on a treadmill that leads me always ever backwards. I've got to know what God says, and I've got to stand on it. It's not always easy. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm quoting scriptures that in the moment don't even seem true. But I've accepted the fact that they are true. They're true, they're true, they're true, until I, they feel true. That makes sense? And God says, forgive people that have offended you, love your enemies. And I never have felt like doing that in my life. When I do it, it's not based on a feeling. It's based on my faith in who God is and what God says to be true. And what's funny is by doing that, by operating in faith in what he said, eventually my feelings catch up with my faith. Makes sense? When Satan throws a flaming arrow at you, you've got to have a shield. You've got to know the word of God. He talks about taking on the helmet of salvation. How are we saved? Faith comes by hearing, that faith of salvation, and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10. You've got to know the word. You can't be saved without truth. The truth sets you free. God leads us by his truth. And the last one, and the sword of the spirit. And this is no, like, I wonder what this means. This is the only offensive weapon that we're talked uh, that we're given, and it is clearly the word of God. I, I, you just have to hear me. Are you guys listening? You're not going to live on bread alone. You'll die with only bread. You have to have the word of God. You can't be saved unless you trust the word of God. You, you can't be safe unless you know the word of God. You can't live righteously without living according to the word of God. Foolishness is found in the hearts of those who do not know the word of God. Wisdom is found in the hearts of those who do. This is such a, a plain, um, obvious, uh, emphasized truth all throughout all of Scripture, in the Psalms, in the Proverbs, in Genesis. The reason there's sin at all is because God said something, man didn't believe it and found a better way that led to, to death. I'm here to tell you, you must train for war. And you got to train your mind, and your mind has to train your heart, and your heart has to train your feet where to walk, and your hands what to do, and your lips what to say. We have to get in the Word of God. If we are going to be cooks and we can't shoot, who cares? Just flip the eggs, man. But if God is sending you out to combat, you better know how to use the sword, and you better know how to use the shield. And you better know how to use the breastplate. You better know how to gird up your loins with the belt. You better know exactly what God has said because when we get out there and the flaming arrows start flying around, either you'll be guarded and protected and shielded by what God has said or you'll devil bait. And I'm here to tell you as your pastor, and forgive me if this comes off the wrong way, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this right. How many of you guys will just translate what I'm trying to say through a heart of love? The same three. It's weird. The rest are like, no, not really. I, you just have to hear my heart. This isn't my idea. 
I didn't go to a seminar that said, statistically, the average Christian doesn't lead anybody to Jesus. I didn't, I didn't read a book that said, you know, the average person, the Protestant in America, I, I didn't. I didn't go to a seminar. I didn't. You know where I got this from? I went to prayer. And God said, prepare my people for war. So I, I wish I could say the war is this proactive thing we're all going to go do together. I wish I could say it's a, it's a disaster that's going to befall the earth. I wish I could say it's a meteorite that strikes you know, Argentine and affected all four people that live there. I don't know. (laughs) But this is what I know. I believe that in direct obedience to the voice of God, I'm to prepare you for war. And the only way to do that is for you to prepare yourselves. I'm not going to follow you. I can't. I I can give you encouragement. As you you leave today, Pastor Adam's notes for next week will be available for you to study all week long. So all week long, you can say the notes. We're going to try to do the same thing every week. Here's what's happening next week. You have a week to think about it, meditate on it, form your own notes on it, take your own thoughts and write them down, pray over these things, because we want you to train yourself for war. When I train for war, these, these superhuman beings called drill sergeants emerged from the abyss, and, and they, they found strengths in all of us we didn't know we had. They did it through motivating us um, through terror through manipulation, through fatigue. They're, they're breaking us down. I don't believe God wants me to break you down. I believe God wants me to build you up. But the problem with building you up outside terror is you go, well, I got other things, and the kids got soccer, and we got the, the volleyball game, the picnic, and I don't have time for that, and Billy's got a toothache, and I got the doctors, and you know, school, and the PTA, and the carpool, and you know, I've got a job. And by the time we're all done living our lives, we've forgotten we're at war. So I don't know how to say this to you in any other way than the way I've been saying it, but that you need to engage in this. You will get out of this summer what you put into this summer and not a bit more. By the grace of God, by the time we emerge into the great and noble season known as September, you will will know more of Scripture and how to find answers and have a working knowledge of the Bible than the average person, more than the average person who's been in church their whole life letting somebody else feed them. But it only happens if you apply yourself. I'm asking you to fit into your life, into your schedule, training. Bible training. College level, no kidding around, reading for hours, praying, figuring it out, discussing it, being in small groups, being activated, going into into war with this sword in one hand, a shield in the other, training. And if you don't do that, this is what will happen. Nothing You'll be bored with the academic practice. You'll come once every three or four weeks, try to catch part of it on live stream while you do four other things, driving the kids to soccer. I am here to tell you, if you will apply yourself to what I believe God is feeding this congregation, you will grow into something you've never been before in your lives. It's an opportunity. Here it is. Take it. And if you don't take it, then what will change? I don't, I don't think anything. How many guys, without raising your hand, like you just wish you knew more about Scripture? I wish I got active. I wish I knew. I wish, I wish when I was offended, the first thing that came to mind was four Scriptures, not five fingers. Or if it's in traffic, one finger. I wish I had reflexes that look more like Jesus. And I'll just say this, piano girl, join me if you would. I have a reflex that to this day has, has outlasted all the other reflexes. When I was uh, a kid, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I had a 45 caliber pistol right here on my hip. To this day, if you walk up behind me and go, Jim! That was for the guys who were falling asleep in the back. <laughs> my hand will do this. It's, it's a reflex. It's something that I, I don't mentally go, how many guys know, I haven't had a 45 there in a long time. Now I just reach, it's like, oh, oh. <laughs> 45, it feels more like 55, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, but my hand, my reflex still goes to the place 
where that pistol used to be. Why? Because I trained for war in a time of peace. Can't tell you the number of times I was glad that thing was there before the other guy's thing was there. I can't tell you the number of times that prevented things from happening because it was a reflex of the states there. We as God's people need Christ-like reflexes that only come through training. The reason I reach for that, again, piano, there you are. The only reason I reach for that, to be really honest with you, is because I was trained, 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 trained. I see people out hunting and they put their rifle on the ground. It's like, oh, my drill sergeant would kill you. People that call it a gun, my drill sergeant would kill you. You know, people that, that are just careless with weaponry. Oh, my, you, you, I'd have killed you. You know what I mean? Just to prevent other deaths. I, I don't understand, and if you ever served in the military, it, it's, it takes about eight weeks to figure out how to be a soldier. It takes the rest of your life to figure out how to be a civilian again. <laughs> because civilians make no sense. Is that you, Tom, that's laughing? I won't, I won't point you out, but Tom thinks that's funny too. Because it, it, it always show up late, real sloppy, oh, it's no big deal. Like, no, it's life and death. And, and I'm here to tell you guys, you need to approach this as life and death because it's more than life and death. For some, it's eternal life or eternal death. On your phone, in your closet, on your coffee table is the Word of God. On the way out today, you're going to be given notes for next week. You can put them in your car and leave them there. You can pick them up and study the Word of God and be prepared to train next Sunday with Adam Cook, one of the greatest father-hearted young men I've ever met in my life. You can, you can ignore it or you can engage it. In the military, if we ignored it, we were engaged. And if we continue to ignore it, we were thrown back out into a civilian world where we really belonged, otherwise people would get hurt. I don't have that option. We don't have that luxury, but I'm here to tell you this. I'm asking every single person here, well, I'm getting ready to go to college. I'm getting ready to go off the, I'm getting ready to, it's such a busy. I love you. And I don't care. Figure it out. Figure it out. Because until you know how to swing that thing, until you know how to jab that thing, until you know how to hold that thing up until you got that thing on your head, until that belt, until that breastplate, until it's in place, I'm telling you as your friend, you're on a battlefield with no armor and you don't know how to use your primary offensive weapon and you're gonna get killed. And I'm so tired of seeing marriages get killed because they don't know how to use a sword. I'm so tired of seeing our children get killed because your parents forgot what it is to be a godly parent. I'm so tired, and how do we forget? We forget because the word tells us and unless we're being fed that verse, unless we're being fed that meal, we just go on with, with what the world's doing instead of having godly reflexes. Hear me. Lives are destroyed because we don't know what to do. Jesus says it this way. The word says it this way. My people are destroyed for a lack of... You got to know the word. Stand your feet, please, all over this room. Man, as we go and do, we're going to find the Bible to be a lot more than just some sort of historical document, more than a fortune cookie full of good thoughts more than a Ouija board to connect with the spiritual realm, more than a menu to get what we want. And so here's the final question. Will you train? 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 Today is not about training you. Today's about getting you ready to enlist. Will you train? If you'll train, say amen. amen. On the way out, you'll be giving some notes. That's the beginning. That's your PT test. That's the first steps. That's your first setup. That's your first push-up. And this week, you'll come back next week having studied it, Having studied what's around it, having thought about it, prayed about it, shared it with others, you'll come back saying, whatever happened to that piece of paper? It's in my car, I guess. That's up to you. In a moment, I'm going to ask the altar workers to come forward. They're going to be praying with anybody that has any lasting need. We already prayed. Um, 
or over the sickness and so forth. But if you need, still need prayer for anything, God's not done with you. This is where ministry is going to happen. How do I know that? Because the Word of God says, anyone among you sick, let him call the elders, the church, all night with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. How do I know that? Because that's what the Bible says. So that's my faith. I trust that. Does everybody you pray for get healed? No. Then, then why do you keep doing it? Because the Bible tells me to do it. And if I did do what the Bible told me to do, no one would get healed. Last thing is this. If you're not right with God, this is what Scripture says. He loves you. God thinks you're awesome. He's waiting for a, a response from His love from you. Today, if you felt the love of God, today, if you realize that Jesus is not a historical figure, He's far more than that. He's a living Savior, crucified for my sins, took my punishment. I had a woman say the other day, I, don't, I couldn't trust a God that executed His own son. I wouldn't know how to do that. I said, well, stop. Let's talk about that. God didn't execute his own son because he's mean or Jesus did something wrong. God allowed his son to be crucified because I did something wrong and Jesus died in my place. She said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. That makes so much more sense. I'm like, it does. Listen, God loves you so much that the thought of eternity without you was unimaginable. And so he did the unthinkable. Somebody go die for them. And Jesus said, I'll do it. Why? Because that's what love does. If a grenade was thrown in the middle of this room, the people have to make a decision. Do you run, do you scramble, or do you jump on it? And the thought of people getting injured because I decided to run, you know, love will demand that you jump on the grenade. A lot of military stuff today, I'm sorry. How many of us know there's no training for, like, grenade jumping? Never happens. Something that is a reflex that you have a moment to consider that's been done hundreds of times to save thousands of lives. And it isn't because I was trained to do it. It's because my heart is trained to, for us to win. So I'll sacrifice myself to save you. This is what Jesus did. And if you haven't said thank you, if you haven't said, I, I'll take the life that you gave for me, and I'll, I want that. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a clean slate, fresh start. Make me born again. Then here and now, why, what are you waiting for? I encourage you with all my heart, all the sincerity that I can muster. Give Jesus your life. You'll never regret it. I've been doing this for over 30 years. I've never had one person come to me and say, you know, I regret giving Jesus my life. <laughs> I've heard many, many, many times, I wish I'd have given my life to Jesus a lot sooner. I would have had to go through all the things I've gone through. Father, I pray all over this room. Those that are right with you, God, that need prayer, or those of you that, that are distant from you that need to come home, I pray may they find the same loving God waiting. Jesus, thank you for opening the door. You're the way, you're the truth, you're the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through you. I can't approach the throne of grace without receiving the grace expressed in Jesus Christ. So I, I do, we do, God, we need you. I give you my life, and I receive not only the gift of your life, but the responsibility that comes with it to train, to combat, to war against, to rescue others that we've been rescued. God, I thank you this day for the forgiveness of sins, the healing of bodies, the deliverance of our souls, God. Now use us in this great conflict, this last great battle, God, of mankind. Use us in it, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, altar workers are coming this way. People are at the doors with those things to hand you. Start your training today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna get a hold of you. Start training today. Prayer up here, we had a chance to meet. I'd like to go back there and hear your story. God bless you guys. Live long, prosper, we'll see you soon.